The Blaze Radio Network. On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Batches? I don't have to show you any stinking batches! This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Did you guys see... Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's the um, second hour of the Chris Salcedo Show. I'm glad you've tuned in. On Twitter, at Chris Salcedo TX, at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X, as in Texas. Uh, the Facebook page, The Chris Salcedo Show. Did you see this interview? It was last week. I missed it. I had to catch it um, online. I think it was Mediaite, or it was some other publication that I saw this. It was Brooke Baldwin over at CNN. Just completely, it seems she was astonished. It was Newsbusters, actually. It was our, our friends at the Media Research Center. She was completely floored by a Syrian refugee who was saying some things that she didn't want to hear and that Democrats don't want to hear. You know, and as I said, folks, Democrats are not even part of this discussion. This is everything we're discussing today is the debate among the libertarians, among the conservatives, among the Republicans. Because you, I can find attributes in solutions to Syria and what's happening over in the Middle East uh, of each one of these positions that I can support or at least I can understand. You don't even understand what all the Democrats in and out of CNN are talking about when really all they want to do is lie. According to Obama and according to CNN, the, the, the pertinent question is how many Syrian refugees can we get over to the United States? And this, uh, I'll play this for you coming up later. Uh, But this Syrian refugee says, I didn't want to come to the United States. I wanted to stay in my home. Nobody asked these these libs, these Democrats. Let's deal with uh, something that's important is actually of benefit to the country, or at least a discussion that's of benefit to the country. Before he retired, Lieutenant General Rick Lynch had commanded uh, all levels of the Army, from companies to uh, 100 soldiers to to corps of 65,000 soldiers to commander of all U.S. Army installations, 120,000 civilian employees and soldiers worldwide. Mr. Lynch is the author of the new book, Work Hard, Pray Hard, The Power of Faith in Action. It is a pleasure to welcome Lieutenant General Rick Lynch to the Chris Salcedo Show. Sir, welcome. Good morning, Chris. Thanks for the opportunity. Before we get to the discussion of the book, I wanted you to weigh in on some hot topics that's, uh, that are top of mind right now. Uh, big news. Uh, reaction, if you will, sir, and this kind of dovetails probably to what you're, to, you're writing about. 
with the power of prayer and faith as ISIS uh, attacks Coptic Christians on Palm Sunday, slaughtering 44 people, including children. What's your reaction, sir? Well, Chris, I was in the Army for 35 years in the last 10 years. Good morning, Chris. Thanks for the opportunity. Before we get to the uh, discussion of the book, I wanted you to weigh in on some hot topics that's, uh, that are top of mind right now. Uh, big news. A reaction, if you will, sir, and this kind of dovetails probably to what you're, to, you're writing about with the power of prayer and faith as ISIS uh, attacks Coptic Christians on Palm Sunday, slaughtering 44 people, including children. What's your reaction, sir? Well, Chris, I was in the Army for 35 years. In the last 10 years, as a general officer, I was involved in uh, fighting the terrorists and the global war on terrorism in places like Kosovo and Bosnia and Iraq on three different tours. So I got a pretty good sense of the terrorists and their makeup and their mentality, and they're just pure evil. They're just pure evil. What we have to do as a nation, much like this administration is doing now, is we have to take the fight to them. We can't tolerate those acts of barbarianism across the world because they do indeed come back to haunt us in the United States of America. So what we did in Syria, for example, I find is exactly right. When you're dealing with a uh, schoolyard bully, the only real response is hit him in the nose. And that's what we did in Syria. And candidly, I think we'll take appropriate action worldwide now to make sure terrorism doesn't continue to flourish. Now, you're not the only one to make these contrasts uh, between, uh, because you served, uh, I take it, if I have the timing right, you did serve under previous, uh, the previous administration, the one before that, and now you're seeing how things are changing, in particular with the military, uh, with the Trump administration. Uh, paint for me... The, the feeling among the fighting men and women of our armed forces uh, serving under, uh, under uh, an occupier of the Oval Office like Barack Obama and contrast that to what we're seeing now with President Trump. Well, you say I've got a long uh, history here of uh, dealing with different administrations. And when I commanded the 3rd Infantry Division, uh, when President Bush announced the surge against all polls, remember he did that even though all the polls said don't do it, he knew because a senior military told him we needed more troops in Iraq, he indeed endorsed the surge. So I took 25,000 soldiers in the worst part of Iraq, and we turned that place around. It was called the Triangle of Death, and we got there 15 months later. It was the Triangle of Life because that president said, by God, if the military needs it, I'm going to get it for Candidly, we had a problem over the Obama administration. I mean, I was always concerned about what was happening to our military. I mean, we're not properly trained anymore. We're not properly equipped anymore. We didn't have the resources to do what we needed to do. And now we've got a whole breath of fresh air with the Trump administration. He's not only saying he's going to support the military, he is doing it. It's not just words, it's actions. And I'm encouraged by the fact that uh, we've taken now a turn for the better. We're going to strengthen our military and as a result, that improve our national security. Lieutenant General Rick Lynch is is our guest right now. We're going to get into this after we, we talk with you, General. Uh, this, this this confusion <laughs> among some in the press, among among uh, Republicans who wanted to find this president for him. I'm, I'm speaking, of course, of Senator Lindsey Graham about what the actions we took in Syria meant. It, it, it seems clear as day to me that that we as a species, humankind, uh, have determined that the the use of chemical weapons is to have no one's benefit. So we have banned them. We've outlawed them internationally. And that seemed to be the line that uh, the, the red line, if you will, 
that uh, Mr. Obama drew, but it took a, in my mind, a real president to actually enforce. What do you think about that? And I worry about a poll I read this morning where almost half the American public thinks that we should not have attacked into Syria and and placed those Tomahawk missiles at the airfield where that chemical attack was launched from. I got to tell you, we got a choice as Americans. We can either stop the use of those kinds of munitions in places like Syria, or we can expect to be attacked in places like Dallas, Texas. We don't have a choice. You know, we can't allow those kinds of things to happen. And oh, by the way, I'm convinced when anybody across the world saw those horrific images of those children, those babies subjected to nerve agent. Everybody knows that's wrong. But our administration, our nation, our leadership said, by God, it's wrong and we're going to stop. And when Assad saw that we weren't just talking anymore, we weren't just making red lines in the sand and then just not doing anything about it. When he saw that this nation would take action, by God, we got his attention. And that permeated across the world to include, the, for example, leaders in North Korea and Russia. They now know that this administration is not going to be a talking administration. It's going to be a doing administration. Well, let's talk about the book. Uh, Lieutenant General Rick Lynch, our guest right now, the name of the book is Work Hard, Pray Hard, The Power of Faith in Action. So uh, what inspired this, a a man who has dedicated his life to to service in the military? uh, how, How did this book come to fruition, basically? Yeah, when I transitioned out of the military in January 12, I wrote a book about adaptive leadership entitled Adapt or Die, the Battle-Tested Principles for Leaders. And that allowed me to travel the nation talking to audiences large and small about adaptive leadership. And in the course of the conversation and the questions answered always afterwards, I could always get a sense that the American public is anxious. We're fearful, we're concerned over our family, for our nation's future, for the economy, and people would ask me, General, how can you be less anxious and less concerned? And it's all because of my personal relationship with God. I mean, I wasn't even baptized until I was 32. I'm 61 now. So half my life generally was without a strong relationship with God. The other half has been with a strong relationship with God. So all I was trying to do as I published this second book is give the American public an opportunity to see how can I strengthen my relationship with God, and as a result of that, be less fearful, less anxious, and less concerned. So I broke it into seven chapters. So if somebody's concerned about being courageous, there's a chapter on commanding courage. If they're worried about their limitations, there's a chapter on overcoming limitations. And the book is not about religion, Chris. It's about spirituality. I don't know how I could have done what I did in service to our nation and today without a strong personal relationship with God. He was with me everywhere I went, like he said he'd be. And as a result of that, I found myself more courageous and less fearful. And that, and, and see, that's was there was there a seminal moment? Was there? Was there? Once in a while, we are treated as human beings to to actually seeing God at work in our life, and it's it, it's it's a it's a wondrous thing. It can be a little frightening. Uh, did you have one of those moments? Yeah, numerous occasions. Uh, you know, as I said, I wasn't even baptized. I was thirty two. I found myself struggling in my early Christian walk because people were saying God was speaking to them, and I've never, ever heard the audible voice of God. So I thought, man, I'm screwing this up. I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> and, now, and now I realize that God's speaking to me and you every day through the circumstances he places in, through the people we've come in contact with. And I just got to tell you, it makes all the difference in the world. But to give you some pointed examples, you know, I was in uh, – Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Uh, I was executive officer of a large organization 
we had our ammunition stored in the large motor pool. I got a call saying one of the vehicles was on fire. I went into the vehicle, tried to put out the fire. I couldn't put out the fire. I ordered the evacuation of the motor pool. That vehicle blew up, and everything around it blew up. You know, $51 million worth of equipment destroyed, 50 soldiers injured. Thank God it wasn't more than that. But I found myself in that motor pool. Rather than leave, which is your normal inclination, I just stayed. And for six hours, I tried to get soldiers out of harm's way. Uh, Norman Schwarzkopf came in and awarded me the soldier's medal as a result of those actions. And people say, well, how would you do that? I did that because I knew God was with me because he promised me. Wow. I'm sure that, hey, you know what, General, I I could continue this conversation for the 15, 20 minutes. But I'm sure that you're going to find lots of these stories inside of the book. Work hard, pray hard. The power of faith in action. The author, Lieutenant General Rick Lynch. Thank you for the book. Thank you for the service to your country, sir. And thanks for being on the Salcedo Show. I appreciate you, Chris. God bless you. Thank you very much. Telephone numbers, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. Back in two shakes, folks, on The Blaze. This is The Chris Salcedo Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Salcedo Show, Conservative Talk Radio with Spice. As I mentioned with the general, we'll get back to Lindsey Graham here in a minute. I want to get to some breaking news here. Uh, just moments ago over on MSNBS, the update coming in from San Bernardino and the shooting. Here's how it went. There was just a recent news briefing about a few minutes ago. New information from that as is follows. We know that there were four victims uh, involved in this. The shooter, uh, known now to be a male, visiting the school, visiting a female teacher inside a single classroom. The other victims were two students. We are now hearing that those two students are in critical condition. Both students rushed to the hospital after this apparent murder-suicide shooting within that classroom. We don't know the names. We don't know the ages of those students, but we do know that they are victims involved in this shooting. The shooter believed to be deceased. The teacher, female, believed to be deceased as well. Students now waiting to be accounted for fully before they are reunited with their parents who do remain on scene uh, at this school shooting. This again happened at about 10:30. We're told now from this press conference that this male suspect was somehow involved in visiting this female teacher that this was a domestic disturbance from the start and that's how it evolved and turned into this shooting. We also know that the students who were injured in the shooting have no relation to either the female teacher mm-hmm. or the male shooter. Updates will follow. There is another news conference scheduled in just a few hours where we are expected to learn more about this situation. But again, that is the latest. Those two okay. students now in critical condition following the shooting in San Bernardino. Sounds like uh, those two kids got uh, caught in the crossfire between what is being described uh, by the folks over at the MSNBS uh, 
news desk as a, a domestic dispute. Unclear as to what the relationship between the man who visited and the teacher was, but it, um, they're hinting heavily that it was romantic or, or uh, ending. The relationship was ending. So we'll um, uh, continue to follow any breaking details on that. And this was also some breaking news earlier on today. And it's big news. We'll probably get into the bulk of this tomorrow, but I didn't want to let it go without a mention today. Are you ready to take the oath, Justice Clinton? Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Neil M. Gorsuch, do solemnly swear. I, Neil M. Gorsuch, do solemnly swear. That I will administer justice without respect to persons. That I will administer justice without respect to persons. And do equal right to the poor and to the rich. And do equal right to the poor and to the rich. And that I will faithfully and impartially discharge and perform. And that I will faithfully and impartially discharge and perform. All the duties incumbent upon me, all the duties incumbent upon me, as Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, as Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, under the Constitution and laws of the United States, under the Constitution and laws of the United States. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations. And with that, Donald Trump fulfills a major campaign promise. You know, it's, it's being rumored out there. That Justice, by the way, doing the doing the swearing in was Justice Kennedy, and the the special angle on this is that that Judge Gorsuch, now Justice Gorsuch, had clerked for Justice Kennedy. So uh, that's the first time that has ever happened, where a uh, a justice was swearing in somebody who had clerked for him to the high court. So now with this. With this seating, it is thought that the proper balance, meaning more conservative, traditionalist way of looking at the Constitution and the rule of law, has been restored to the high court. And that Justice Kennedy was waiting for Neil Gorsuch to be seated, or someone of his caliber to be seated before he would retire. Now, Kennedy is hardly a conservative traditionalist jurist so my my hope is that now that the the democrats have shot themselves in the foot by going nuclear that the next supreme court justice will be an upgrade to a strict constructionist judge justice Pryor, for example i'm just throwing that name out there but there is a list of now 20 judges that that Donald Trump has to choose from because he's the ones he promised. Those are the ones he promised when he ran for office. So I think Pryor's on that list. So at any, at any rate, there are other more fantastic jurists, possibly a woman could be up for the next one. Uh, and the Democrats won't have anything to say about it. And that's, um, that's a okay with me. 888 900 I want to continue with Lindsey Graham and uh, first off, his attempt over the weekend was kind of deplorable to pigeonhole Donald Trump and say, well, Donald Trump's for regime change now. I I don't think that's what I mean, not that you're uh, a fan of Bashar al-Assad, but uh, it strikes me that that Mr. Trump's priorities 
the president of the United States priorities are different from Lindsey Graham's. But here's what Lindsey Graham and John McCain and others want, even though they know the current status of our military. They know how much how, how thin it has been stretched and how ill-equipped it is courtesy of President Obama and what he did. And, and, and he's still talking like this. I want more American troops, five or 6,000 like we have in Iraq, uh, to help destroy ISIL. That means it will accelerate the demise of ISIL. Now, see, it's ISIS for one thing. Number two, you, you want more troops in Syria, okay, to destroy ISIS. But he's being asked about Syria. What do you think Lindsey Graham's real agenda is? Uh, I want to train opposition forces to take a side down. He's a threat to the United States because he's a proxy of Iran. He's not a threat to the United States. There are plenty of proxies of Iran, plenty of proxies for Russia. Uh, uh, look, I, not, not that he's, he should be allowed to stay there to continue to wantonly murder. You think, here's a possibility that I think Team Trump is probably trying to negotiate with such full-throated support from the Sunnis in in the region. Saudi Arabia, I'm talking about. Uh, Jordan from um, Egypt. Not necessarily Sunni, but more secular. Anyway, full-throated support for the United States. If the United States would give logistic support and perhaps some training to those guys, they could usher out the Alawite regime inside of Syria and maybe there could be something more permanent permanently affixed there, but U.S. troops? Uh. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze on the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo. He used chemical weapons. He violated a treaty yeah. that he signed. I think it's up to us to enforce that treaty. We're on sound legal footing here, but our strategy is not yet developed. What comes next? I'm glad Trump did this. He is no longer uh, Obama in the eyes of our enemies, but he needs to do more to close the deal. There's a new sheriff in town. Well, no, I get all of that. There is a new sheriff in town. Welcome back, everybody. That's Lindsey Graham on Meet the Press this weekend. I... I understand. And the message has been delivered. There's a new sheriff in town. The message is don't use chemical or biological weapons, weapons of mass destruction, or there will be consequences. That's the message. Not regime change. Not American troop commitments to an already stretched thin force. I'm sorry, but that's... I think that Donald Trump has his priorities... And deposing Bashar al-Assad, and again, we started off the program talking about this, folks, deposing a dictator like Bashar al-Assad, what, what you get, unless you're prepared to stay in Syria and guard the aftermath. Look, look at, look at the lessons of Iraq. Iraq would have stood a great chance, but guess what? We elected a Democrat. And the Democrat cut and ran. Hell, they didn't. She, Barack Obama didn't even cut and run. He just he just ran. 
irresponsibly. And then voila, you've got ISIS. So uh, this idea, now you can marginalize and you can belittle the power of a dictator to project his authority over uh, beyond his borders. Hell, you can even work with, with folks who are in the region to, to let, now, if Saudi Arabia and Egypt, and they say they want to do this, they say that, they, that they've got some armies ready to go. Where, where, will the, where will the Turks be is my big question. Um, so if, if there's an agreement that can be reached with the United States' help to where Syria is stabilized, it ain't our guys fighting it because we polarize. You know? And, and now, all bets are off if we get hit and they're traced back to Syrian WMDs, then all bets are off. Then, you know, as so many callers of the Salcedo Show have, have suggested, make it a crater. But if you want stability in the region, those who have the biggest stakes in the region must take the lead. No, not the lead. We can still lead it. But they have to be, they have to be marching. How about this? They have to be marching by our side. And we will give them all the support that we possibly can muster. But I don't know that our presence over there is necessarily welcome and wouldn't exacerbate the situation. Uh, And I think Iraq taught us some lessons. Now, all of that said, Iraq was this close to working. It was this close to working. Of course, if it takes, you know, six, seven, eight years to get it done. You don't have that kind of time because of our politics here in the United States. And especially the current version of the Democrat Party. Now, there could be another Republican elected after Donald Trump, after his four, let's hope, eight years of a Republican in office and then followed up by another four to eight years. Then if you have that... Then you can make, but, but there's no guarantee. And with Obama, now granted, I know that there's, there's never been anybody as feckless and anti-American and, um, and he, he wasn't stupid. I have abandoned this idea that Barack Obama was stupid. Every harm that he did to the United States was with intent, with full knowledge, and was part of the plan from the very beginning. I firmly believe that. But... At any rate, I, I don't think that regime change right now is in America's best interests. Executed by us. We can support it if there's a coalition that's built up of Middle Eastern nations who are willing to go to war with Iran. The best we could probably do is to keep the Russians off their backs. And a signal to the Russians, hey, you want to come and play? You want to bring us, you want to bring us in? And that that's the last thing that they would want. Anyway, all of this being said, nobody's talking to the, the Syrians. You know, what do they want? Democrats say, oh, they all want to come to America. <laughs> that's, uh, this guy was, uh, what's his name? Kasim, Kasem Eid. He was an, a, a survivor of the first chemical attack in 2013 by Bashar al-Assad. 
And he jumps on CNN. He says this last Friday. I saw the news. I cried out of joy. I jumped. I thank God. I, I don't know. I was overwhelmed. We've been asking for protection. We've been asking for consequences for more than six years. And today, for the first time, it happened. He's talking about the bombing. The cruise missile strikes. Uh, ordered by President Trump on Syria. And he's thankful. Can you imagine? Now, not all of these displaced Syrians are terrorists. As a matter of fact, the majority of them aren't. Some cultural, some cultural differences, to be sure. But many of them resent the fact that they've had to pack up everything they knew and leave their homeland because of all of this. And that's what this guy's articulating. And, and many of them, I would imagine, are, are really upset with Bashar al-Assad and bewildered that the world wouldn't do anything to stop him. Because I, I imagine Syrians like this guy are like, wait a minute, I thought using chemical weapons was illegal. How is it he gets away with it? United Nations, how is it he gets away with it, Obama? That's what he's asking. For the very first time, we see Assad held accountable just for once held accountable for his crimes against humanity. I was overwhelmed. I felt grateful for President Trump. I felt grateful for the United States. Wow. <laughs> Don't hear that perspective very often, especially on CNN. Grateful for Trump, grateful for the United States. That's almost heresy over at the basket of bias. CNN. Well, he continued, and what was it Brooke Baldwin was the host here? One gets the impression that they weren't ready to hear this. That maybe it was a uh, a steady diet of Trump bashing is what they were expecting, but they didn't get it. We cannot in one breath speak of protecting Syrian babies and in the next close America's doors to them. Yeah, that's Hillary Clinton. Now, protecting does protecting Syrian babies necessitate the fact that we have to bring them here to the United States. Is, is that is that necessarily what follows? Of course not. Of course not. And Donald Trump articulated this on the campaign trail as well. Safe zones over in Syria to make sure these people don't have to flee their homeland. And upon being played that soundbite of Hillary Clinton getting it wrong as as she always does, as if that's if that's the only choice that we have, or, hey, there's an atrocity being done to somebody around the globe. They must come to the United States. Really? Is that what it, is that what it means, Hillary Clinton? Only her sycophant nut job audience there thinks that's the case. So Kasim here, Kasim Eid, Kasem Eid, responds. Quickly, Kasim, how do you see that? With all due respect, I didn't see each and every person who was demonstrating uh, after the travel ban. I didn't see you three days ago when people were gassed to death, when civilians were gassed to death. I... That's, a, that's a hell of a good point. How many of these, these liberal extremists, like Hillary Clinton, were out there just aghast, no pun intended, uh, at the chemical use, uh, the use of chemical weapons in Syria? How many, how many were out there? How many of them 
were showing how much they cared. You know, this does give us an indication about what the true agenda of many of these folks on the left truly is. They don't want to stop the dictator. They don't care about a rogue dictator violating international norms, violating international law, basically uh, a bar that was set for humanity saying, you know, we're just not going to go down this road as human beings. We're not going to do this. Chemical weapons, biological weapons. So many of those leftists couldn't care less when a dictator bombs. The only thing they care about is making sure that as many people as possible can come into the United States unvetted, undeterred, open borders with the expressed intent of changing the United States because they think we are the problem. They think a society predicated on freedom and liberty of the individual is the problem. And they... And left-wingers in this country, like Hillary Clinton and others, recognize these individuals that come from other countries come from a country where they are oppressed. So they're kind of used to the Democrat way of doing things. And they won't caterwaul and complain the scraps given to them off the table of a a Democrat administration or a Democrat-dominated government. Because it's a step up from what they've been, you know, I mean, Hillary Clinton, believe it or not, is a step up from Bashar al-Assad. Not much of a big step, but it's a step up. So too is resident Obama, a step up from Bashar al-Assad. No, don't misunderstand. They're still, they still solidly want to be in control and lord over people's lives. But they see these, this importation of a, of a lower class of individuals to make them dependent on government as their perpetual gateway to consistent rule. Didn't see you in 2013 when 1,400 people were gassed to death. I didn't see you raising your voice against President Obama's uh, uh, inaction in Syria that let us refugees, that made us refugees get kicked out of Syria. If you really care about refugees, if you really care about helping us, please, Help us stay in our, in our country. They didn't want to be refugees. They wanted to stay in their own country. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's the arrogance. The Democrats say, well, we don't need you to stay in your country. We need you to come over here and vote Democrat. <laughs> we need you completely ignorant of what we stand for so you'll vote for us. Because those who, who are starting to figure out what we Democrats stand for, they, they don't want to vote for us anymore. We just suffered historic losses courtesy of resident Obama and left-wing extremism. <laughs> you, you get that sense that that's what these leftists are all about. And hey, the, uh, the, the snowflakes on the college campuses, that's all, that's all they're about. Shouting down dissenting voices they disagree with, very much like, you know, Assad. Assad shuts down free speech too. Russia, Vladimir Putin shuts down free speech, just like college campuses here in the United States and leftists who don't want to hear opposing points of view. Uh, we'll wrap up the show next. Salcedo Show, folks. Be right back. He is a liberty-loving Latino conservative.
Need we say more? The Chris Salcedo Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. Gotta admit to you, I don't get this story. You guys hear about what happened on United Airlines flight 3411? This this guy, he had a seat. He bought his ticket. He had a seat. He's sitting down. They're overbooked. And you know, this is a common practice among these airlines these days. They're overbooking. So United Airlines, uh, I guess it was Chicago. Chicago to Louisville. And, uh... Louisville. Uh, they say they asked for volunteers and they were offering folks $800 to give up their seat. Nobody volunteered. They had to get to where they were going. So this guy refuses to give up his seat, a 69-year-old Asian guy who says, look, I'm a doctor. I'm not sure if it's true, but he said he was a doctor and he had to get to go, go see patients. And he wouldn't leave. So they, they forcefully took him off the plane. One of the, one of the officers who dragged, dragged him off the plane has been put on leave. United Airlines is putting out statements. It still doesn't clear this up. I mean, I, if you have a ticket and you're sitting in your seat and somebody comes up on standby and wants that seat, why should you be forced to give it up? The only thing I can think of here is that the, the person that's flying standby is paying premium top dollar for that seat that maybe he's paying what a thousand bucks for the seat one way right so they're going to give you they're going to give you eight hundred dollars so they just made 200 bucks on the deal i i you so that's why this guy who paid less of a fare bought or, 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 or uh was forced off the plane but is that right to, if you bought, if you bought, and I'm not sure that the reporting on this is kind of sketchy, but if you bought a ticket and you say, I don't want to give up my seat, but this, but um, what American Airlines is saying, well, hey, this guy's going to pay us a lot more for your seat. So we're going to force you off the plane so we can get this guy's money. Really? I, I don't get this story. We'll talk a little about it tomorrow. Hey, remember folks, society's worth is not measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a great day. Tuesday, tomorrow on The Blaze, back here on the show. See you then. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze on The Blaze Radio Network.